This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. runner welcome to the local legends in running podcast we hear the stories from local legends of australian running that you've simply always wanted to hear today in episode 20 i interview australian and south african runner wayne speeds there's something truly special about talking to wayne he's so confident yet down to earth which makes his words and stories of his running so interesting and entertaining In school, Wayne was constantly let down in his attempts at sprinting events and often came last. It wasn't until his primary school athletics coach in year seven said, Wayne, mate, you've got to try the mile, that Wayne then actually experienced some success. At 18, just after high school, Wayne attempted his first Comrades Marathon, an 89-kilometer event in South Africa, and didn't even finish the event. He's now ran several Comrades events with much success and recorded times as quick as 2.25 over the marathon and 69 minutes in the half. So as always, sit back, relax and tune in to hear from the inspirational Wayne Spees as he talks all things attitude to Comrades to Nutrition. Wayne Spees, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, mate. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm trying to work out the shirt you're wearing there. Oh, this is... Um, so, in February, I did the um, Russell Keimer half marathon in Abu Dhabi in um, UAE. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Ollie? Not too bad at all. I'm, I'm very excited to have you on here. Um, you've accomplished... Yeah, no dramas at all. You've accomplished so much in running, particularly around the marathon and half marathon. And I, can I start with a, a random question? How many marathons have you done sure. or do you think you've done? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did a bit of a tally. Um, Ollie, um, I've probably just passed 40. I'm 41 now. So um, that's just marathons. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the longer stuff. So I love, I love marathons. Uh, but love the ultras, so I'm, I'm just into a new phase now, or been there for a while. So about 40, 41 marathons. <laughs> oh, it's excellent. And, mate, you're on the back of uh, Comrades Marathon from South Africa there last month. How was that experience? <laughs> mate, that was the experience of my life. Um, Ollie, um, to tell you I'm still on cloud nine, that's an understatement of the decade. So um, I'm absolutely stoked. Um, I've been working for that one through COVID. Um, and basically, that's been my A, um, my A run to try and nail it. Um, so I absolutely had the run of my life. And again, um, I'm still, I still think I'm in a dream when it comes to um, the race itself. Had a beautiful run, Ollie. Oh, it looks like it. And we will get back into the Comrades Marathon later on in the interview. Um, I just wanted to reiterate to the listeners too that your running year this year has been massive. Like you won the Noosa Marathon. <laughs> 
Cadbury Marathon and recorded a PB at the Gold Coast Marathon too. And I think actually, if, if I'm right, you recorded the exact same time, roughly 2.28 at Noosa and the Cadbury. Is that right? No, no. So it was 2.28 at Noosa and Brisbane. Uh, that was eight days apart, and Holly. The, and the Brisbane. I forgot to mention <laughs> Brisbane too. Yeah. <laughs> I ran 2.31 in, um, at Cadbury down in Hobart. Uh, so that was all part of a, a building phase towards comrades. So, um, yeah, it's part of a big plan, uh, which I'll explain to you as we go. <laughs> So I think you've listened to a few of these interviews um, and basically the structure will follow similarly uh, in that we'll go through some personal uh, biography things on you, running PBs and achievements uh, from uh, your point of view, and then get mm -hmm. into the actual running story uh, from the early days, your upbringing, and then how it looked uh, at the school level. Sound okay? Sounds good. Sounds absolutely good, mate. I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> hey, um, I'm going to ask a pretty personal and direct question, if you uh, don't sure. mind asking this one. How old are you, Wayne? Oh, well, mate, you're the first one to know this. Well, yesterday was my birthday, mate, and I celebrated <laughs> my 50th birthday yesterday. So I'm super proud to say I'm a 50-year-old master runner, mate, and I'm loving it as I'm showing you the guns. Yeah, super <laughs> proud. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. And um, it's your fastest year yet in the marathon. So isn't that such a great example for those out there looking to <laughs> get inspiration to improve as they age? I'm one of them. I'm not 50, but I'm in my mid-30s and feel like I'm still on the improve. And that just inspires me even more to think that maybe I can follow the footsteps of Wayne. So <laughs> let's get into some background. Are you, like, Were you born in South Africa? Absolutely. So I was born in Durban, South Africa. Um, lived there obviously uh, for most of my life, and um, yeah, we immigrated 22 years ago in 2000, yeah, early 2000. So yeah, uh, been in Brisbane ever since. I resonate in that a little bit because uh, I think I mentioned on the phone to you the other week that uh, my family's from Peter Maritzburg in South Africa, uh, so I am half yes. South African. I haven't actually been over there yet, so Mum's not too happy about that. She really wants me to head over there, and I will at some point. But uh, I thought I'd bring that up just to. Uh, give some context <laughs> you as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, and that's Wayne, why I say, obviously, sorry. Uh, yep, you go for it. Oh, I'm just wondering where where are you based right now as we interview at the moment? So yeah, so what it is is my sister's on the Gold Coast. So I'm. Uh, we were celebrating my uh, comrades' mouth and run uh, with the. So basically, my family prepared my. Um, I'd finished my green number in Comrades, which I'll, I'll tell you a bit about later. But, uh, yeah, we just celebrated that, and they presented me at the formal um, covering of my green number and all my uh, uh, Comrades achievements uh, last night at my at, at a birthday celebration. Um, so, yeah, I'm currently with family on the Gold Coast, but I actually live in Brisbane. Oh, uh, that was my next question. I seem to see you running a lot uh, <laughs> on Strava at various locations. So you are living yes. in Brisbane at the moment? That's correct, mate. Um, we've literally only just moved. We were in Wishart for about seven or eight years, and we just moved to the north side of Brisbane um, only uh, a couple of months ago. Oh, excellent. Wishart, that's the uh, the location that's of that's Adrian Royce's um, founding park run there at Wishart. <laughs> that's correct, and that was sort of one of the park runs I do regularly, just jump in. So, mate, uh, you're a family man. Are you married? Absolutely. Beautiful wife, uh, two beautiful boys. Um, they've grown up now, um, year 12 and year 10, Sam and Ty. 
So they're big lads. Um, they're a lot bigger than me. Are they? Are they? So uh, where does that come from? <laughs> well, my wife is, is solid. I wouldn't want to mess with Roman. Uh, uh, she's rock solid. So my boys are, are big and strong lads. So that's what everyone looks at me and says, why not? These are your boys. I said, no, they definitely are. <laughs> and where do they go to school, mate? Uh, they go to City Point College, uh, which is in Carindale. They've been oh, going there yeah. for... Yeah, from day one. So they've been there since year 12, been there 13 years or so. Yeah, I've heard about that school. I teach myself. Um, what's the school okay. like? You've enjoyed your experience there and have the boys enjoyed it? Absolutely. Well, my wife's a school teacher there, so she's been oh. there for many years. And, uh, yeah, that's why the boys have obviously stayed with mum. And um, it's just been good in terms of where we were located and they catered for everything that we needed. It's a, it's a school with the places, places a huge emphasis on sports. Um, so both my wife and I have quite always been involved at the school with the sporting side of it. Um, just like to get involved and network with the community. Uh, so yeah, I'm the reigning parent, um, <laughs> one mile champion at the school athletics carnival. I've, I've, I've held that for 12 years and, uh, I'm still the reigning parent and I now oh, really? give all the parents about, yeah, give them a, a 200 meter lead in the mile. Oh, so, so it's, it's like uh, it's stagnated, eh? a parent run off. Yeah, it's just a bit of fun we have. So, no, I absolutely love being at the school. You might need to start giving them a kilometer. <laughs> That's what they said. I need to give them a few, a handicap event. Yeah. But we always have great fun, great fun. But it's a title I'm proud of. I've been I've been holding on to for twelve years. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Hey, um, with that moving around too that I've seen on Strava, what, what do you do for work? Yep. Is that the reason you sort of move around the country and, and uh, yeah overseas? I see you on random islands and things like that too. Yeah. So what do you do for work? Yeah, so what I do is I'm more a, a, a maintenance or production technician um, uh, in the oil and gas industry. So um, basically, take out uh, raw gas from the ground and process it. Um, into natural, what they call a liquid natural gas. So basically, uh, yeah, I'm just involved in the maintenance and production of that. I've been doing that for many, many years. I'm currently based out in Western Australia um, on a little island uh, about two hours north of Perth. And when I say two hours, two hours plain. It's called Barrow Island, a uh, Chevron facility. And basically, uh, yeah, been there for the last uh, eight years or so. Uh, and I work on a two and two roster. So I fly in there for two weeks and then I come home for two weeks. So yeah, interesting to try and stagger my training and, and work around my work, but it works beautifully for me and my family. Yeah, I was going to ask, has it actually helped you with your training or does it make it a challenge? No, um, there's a, it's a challenge because I do 12 hour shifts mm. and they stagger between day shifts and night shifts. Um, but I've always been a grinder and I, I, I train real hard. So the guys know me at work for, the commitment side of it towards my running. So when I'm at work, I still um, I still clock up recent, relatively decent pace. Uh, on the island, I average between 120 and 140 a week kilometers. So um, I run, you know, I do some work before, uh, some small sessions before work and after I always do about an hour or an hour and 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah. And then when I come home in the two weeks, Ollie, that's when I put in the quality uh, training uh, that I sort of work towards. So obviously, um, yeah, it's, it depends on which phase I'm in, uh, which we can touch on. I can shortly, obviously, tell yes, you how I yeah. sort of mani manage, manage those phases. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So between family, running and work, anything else you fit in to, to buy time? Any hobbies? Yeah, so I love uh, 
the piano. I love um, I, I love jazz, and I play piano jazz. I cannot read a stitch of music, Ollie, mm-hmm. but I love. Um, you you just play something, and I'll find you with my ear. Oh, look at that, mate! Here you go. <laughs> we can we can actually hit a gig together. I, I just love the piano. Always loved it. I just found myself as a young kid. I went to a boarding school in South Africa, and I just said I like the sound of it, and I just started teaching myself. And uh, yeah, I just picked up random stuff, and uh, yeah, just play along. So that's my little hobby. I've got a little portable uh, uh, electric piano which I play. Um, just to just you know, I put on the headphones and I just get yeah. lost. Um, so that that just keeps me, yeah, you know. And I make sure I've got the balance right. That helps me just just keeping the little zone that I love to be in, Ollie. Yeah, fantastic. We have some things in common for listeners who uh, can't see the screen. <laughs> I've just turned the computer towards my piano, and I uh, definitely enjoy yeah. that as a way of escaping. Um, yeah, all the running and things around running. Um, so let, let's get into these running PBs and achievements, eh? Sure, mate. Absolutely. Excellent. Now, th- there's a lot here, um, and I've asked you to send them <laughs> through the other day, so I, I hope yeah. these are accurate, but I've pretty much paste these from your email, so it should Go be. If there's any mistakes, they're probably yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Go. so 5K, 15.20, 10K, mm-hmm. 13.10, which was at Gold Coast, 2019, the half marathon, 1.09 at 15, and the rack half in the yep. UAE, February this, this year. year. Yep. The marathon, uh, as mentioned earlier, at Gold Coast, 225.47, as most listeners yep. know, back in July. And then uh, the 50K, too, 259.54, broke the three hours. That's fantastic. And that's this the year. Nedbank runified yep. in South Africa this year. And, and isn't Nedbank a sponsor of yours? Is that right? Absolutely. So I've, been, I've joined Team Nedbank. It's probably about a year and a half ago. I was invited to join them. For those who don't know, it's a, it's basically a South African um, a bank that supports a group of um, listed runners, both locally and internationally. So I'm on the international team um, of elite runners, um, which basically geared at, at the longer stuff. Yeah. So they, they, they look after me in terms of shoes, clothing, gear, uh, races, and that sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. Excellent. And uh, comrades uh, up and down. So 621 for the up uh, three years ago in 2019. That's and correct. then comrades the down. Uh, yeah, 601 just gone uh, yes. a month ago, as we had just spoken about. So uh, some excellent range there. For, for me, like the longer you go seem to be the stronger, but it seems like your, your 5K is very quick. I'm wondering about the 10K. Do you not do the 10K very much? No, so Ollie, there's a story behind that. And I've got so many people in my ear. Um, they always, because I haven't done, I've, I've done about 120 park runs, but I, I never race them. I never run them. And uh, so many people say, why now? You need to have a go at the shortest stuff, Ollie. <laughs> and the truth is, the truth is, I, I just don't spend too much, as, as much time as I like to on a track. Um, I love the longer mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like I say, Ollie, if, and that's why everyone's, uh, I've got a few guys just, in my ear chewing me saying you need to get onto the 100k so that's my next goal i've never done 100k i've done it plenty 50s and 60s and 90s um and the, and the longer it goes i just i can i can just keep going so um it's hard to explain what what's involved in that but i'll, I'll go through that with you because um yeah to come back to your point i just haven't spent <laughs> as much time working on a five and ten i'm actually I'm at that point where from the half marathon up, I just love it. I just, I crave it. Like I, I can, 
Um, I've built that fitness to a level where, um, like, I'm ready to go now, Ali. I finished Comrades three weeks ago, but I can feel my legs <clears throat> want to go uh, because of the platform I'm at. So, yeah, to the point is that I feel I just want to nail off because I still believe I've got a, a good marathon in me um, and I know my best comrades are still to come. I know I know it sounds weird talking to you as a 50-year-old today, but um, because of the platform that I have and the base that I've been given and the people who are looking after me at the moment, um, I'm sort of concentrating on those. What we do do is in different phases and building towards it, we do like an 8K time trial, which is flat out, and that tells me um, we've got a designated place that we do that, but that tells me when I'm ready for something and, and, and we determine paces from that. So that's why um, the, the honest reason is I can't do 5Ks, especially park runs, is because Sundays are my designated long runs, which are really specific. And um, to do people, don't, a lot of people don't understand doing a hard 5K takes a lot out of you mm. um, and, and, and recovery <clears throat> from that and going into a, a solid long run the next day really um, takes a lot out of you. So that's why I'm I sort of back off from that. But the time will come, Ollie, when I'll, I'll have a crack because I do believe I, I, can, I can run, uh, you know, if I train specifically for 5 and 10K, I, I do believe I can improve on those performances. Oh, I, I definitely agree. And I think I'm not too well versed in the records for the shorter stuff, like the three, five yep. or 10K uh, as you get yep. older away from 50, but surely those are within reach along with the longer <laughs> events. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I've had more senior gentlemen uh, from Queenston who are always in my ear and saying, why now? And, and I've had, I've been privileged along the way to, you know, I've got even guys like Steve Wanagetti, Sean Crichton, because I'm, I'm chewing off all the air age records and they come to me and they say, Wayne, oh, you've got to have a crack. You've got to have a crack. And, you know, Ollie, the truth is that, you know, personally, it, it takes a lot to work specifically towards a particular marathon, yet alone an ultra marathon. So in that phase and building towards it, it's really <clears> hard to squeeze in a solid and a hard 3000, like a 3k on the track or 5k yeah. of which, which I'm like, I, I just don't, I don't have that track background, Ollie. So I'm not, I'm not a track runner. That's the truth. Um, so that's why I'm sort of um, at that phase or what do I do? I've got to choose something. So that's why I'm sort of into the longer stuff, Ollie, and oh, loving it, it too. It all makes sense. And I'll continue with these uh, achievements, eh? Sure, uh, sure. So, yeah, away from the PBs, Comrades Marathon Green, as mentioned earlier, the winner of Brisbane, Noosa and Cabri Marathon this year, runner-up at Sunny Coast too uh, last year in a 226. Mm -hmm. And uh, completed six world major marathons at London Marathon 2019 and second mm -hmm. master 228. World record holder, yep. 50K at Canberra, runner-up Australia Champs 2021 in 302 for that one. Australian male 45 record marathon, Gold Coast 225. Um, now I'm wondering how that fits into your age, male 45. Now I'm in a new category now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that 45 to 50, 49 or is it? or 50? 45 to 49. That's great. Yeah, yeah, so that, I'll get that it. That expired yeah. two yeah. days ago. Yeah. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, I think, or maybe it's another event, half marathon in the UAE, 109. It's the same. Yep. Yeah, World Russell Masters Kyra Marathon. Half marathon. Yeah. Excellent. 2016 mm -hmm. at 2.34. Um, yep. Again, I'm uh, going back to some things from the start. Completed 40 marathons, but this one hasn't come up. 25 ultras as well worldwide. Yes, yes. And um, just away from the achievements too, you've got uh, mentor coach John Wallace and Dave Adams there with you at the moment. 
Don Wallace, yes. So the great Don Wallace. So Don Wallace, for those listeners who don't know, is probably one of Australia's um, all-time ultra um, distance runners. Um, so he's he's right up there in terms. He's got three comrades, gold medalists to his name, medals to his name, um, numerous records of the 100K. Um, he was real. Him and Tim Sloan um, back in the day were real legends of ultra running. So that's, that's who actually mentors me now and coaches me is Don Wallace. So... Um, yeah, we can get into that. He's sort of been uh, a game changer for me in terms of um, steering me towards success over the longer stuff, just, just in changing my method of training. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, what's coming up is what we talk uh, to the guests about with their upbringing, with their run- yes. running and how how running featured in any way as a kid. And I, I like to give the, the guests a license to really get into detail on this one. Um, I did actually run, uh, come across a uh, interview of yours, um, I think, uh, online. I'm forgetting the name of the podcast, but you spoke about... Stimulate Run, yeah. Yeah, Stimulate Run, yeah. You spoke about a, a story of a teacher in high school and that being an influence on you. But even before we get to that point in time, can you just sort of bring up how your upbringing looked as as a really young kid if there's any factors in there you think led to where you are now as well and then and then get into that schooling influence too to be excellent sure um so what happened ollie is um i had a sort of a, a difficult uh, childhood um i grew up i just got myself and my sister was about a year and a half apart um we grew up and i was only young three years old when we lost my dad um and yeah um, obviously uh, my mum at the time had to get herself on her feet and, 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 and you know, sort of be the breadwinner as such uh, with these two little kids. Um, so, yeah, you know, only now as a young, well, as a young man, only now I can realise and sort of understand what she would have been going through. But anyway, um, yeah, we grew up, um, you know, back in South Africa, not having not, not much opportunity and that sort of thing. Mum did the best she could with some help from my grandmother. Um, I went to a, obviously started a little primary school and, I always remember running athletics, you know, we'd have athletics day and Ollie, I'd do the 60 meters and the hundred meter dash. And I tell you what, Ollie, I came last all the time. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. I, I would get beaten. I was a small guy and it always played on me. And mum would always be sitting there saying, why no, you can do it. You're born a winner. You can do it. Keep going, keep going. And I just couldn't see it. <laughs> and I just kept going on right up until probably grade three, four, five and nothing I kept, mom said, keep doing it, keep doing it. And I kept coming last, Ollie. So for years, um, and the hard part was not having anyone as a mentor or anything, you know, to help me through it. I had an uncle who came to me, and this is my dad's brother, and he whispered in my ear, hey, your dad could run. He was a good runner, but he never told me what he did. So he just told me that. So I said, oh, yeah, cool, he could run, yeah, yeah. And then obviously when I got to year five or six, my mom sent me to boarding school. And when I went to boarding school, at boarding school, the same thing happened to me, Ollie, the same cycle of coming last and getting smashed. And I thought, man, something's wrong. Just can't do it. And, and it was starting to work on me and get into me. And then I remember, and I'll never forget him, uh, he was the athletics coach at school. And the same thing, he could see me down and dejected. But this time I'd been at school for about two years at boarding school. And I was going to just before high school, the year before high school, middle school. And the same thing, he said to me, what's wrong? I said, no, you know, so I just, I, I, I can't do this. Uh, you know, I keep, it's been going on for years and I keep coming last. And he says, why? I said, it's just a struggle. And he, and he sat down, he spoke to me 
just like a dad would to his son. He says, well, what do you want to do? How do you do it? He said, when I, when I, when I push, nothing happens. So he says, but if you relax, can you run? I said, yeah. So he says, I want you to try this. And he did a few things with me, not knowing what I was doing at the time. So he, he did this, Holly. I'm not lying. This is, again, just in my year before high school. And he said to me, it would be about grade seven or so. And he said to me, I want you to do the mile. I said, Sir, I can't do 100 meters or 200 meters. He says, try the mile, but I want you to so four laps of the track. But this is how I want you to do it. So what he was telling me to do is pace myself, whatever. The guys will go. He explained it. Ollie, I did that run. And for the first time in my life, I want something. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I paced myself, watched him go. And he said to me, on that third lap, I'm going to tell you to go. And I did that. I'd obviously been working towards it. But that was a game changer. And that's what he said to me. Why not? We need to work. You've got endurance. This is something that not many people just have naturally. So he explained that. And he worked with that cycle. And, you know, from that point on, that's where I could see at school, you know, I was attempting 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters. And my goodness, on the track, this is, you know, this felt so good doing a bit of cross country. It felt easy, but pacing myself, you know. And obviously, I learned the art of endurance running back then, unbeknown to me. So, yeah, that's where that started in a nutshell. Oh, it's excellent. And firstly, I'm sorry to hear about your father's passing there too. Um, but just give us some no. context about uh, your primary and high school experience. Was it a state school uh, or private school there? Yeah, I basically went to a state school um, up until uh, probably year five uh, when I went to boarding school. Uh, the only reason I went to, this, uh, to a boarding school was that my, my mum's sister uh, was a school teacher. She basically ran a, a private boarding school. And so I was privileged to go there for to see out my, my, my you know, the rest of to, to high school. And that's where I started to get engaged in sports and I played everything from tennis to soccer, uh, a bit of swimming, a bit of everything. And I, and I obviously wasn't exposed to that prior to that, but that's where I got into it. Like I said, at a young age, um, started to discover what athletics was all about. Now, there's a lot of parallels between South Africa and Australia in sport. You know, we look at cricket, rugby, um, certain sports that... Uh, yeah, just uh, just sort of the, the same uh, in terms of how we uh, perceive them, how we participate in them. I'm just wondering, from a running point of view, though, what's what's the running scene like over there, particularly in high school? And did that lead you into rep running as well at the end of high school? So, yeah, so what happens in, in South Africa, um, track running is only something that developed later on, I think, prior to, um, as you know, you're aware, you know, the, the sort of former apartheid years. Um, the opportunities weren't there uh, for many people in terms of development, uh, especially, you know, in the non-white sector. Um, track, track work and all that there obviously wasn't, um, wasn't really um, something that was, or at least athletics, you, you didn't have access to any of that. Um, however, road running was obviously open to all, and that's where it obviously, um, you, you know, the, my influences and mentors coming from a, a young age in terms of watching the Comrades Marathon, which is, as you know, is televised on TV. Um, and, I, you know, you know, there's, in just sitting back, every, every youngster just watches and is glued at the end of May watching the Comrades Marathon. And that's something, as a young lad, I just said, wow, I want to do that one day. You know, and speaking to that same teacher, and he said, Wayne, you can do it. And he inspired me many, many years ago. So, yeah, the road running scene is massive there. Um, absolutely underrated, but some world-class athletes 
um, out there, Holly. Excellent. So end of high school, were you rep running by that time or was it only sort of just after school where you really started to, to get into the running a bit more? No, it was only after school, Ollie. So obviously at school, I did have the opportunity to represent what we call the inter-school and go yeah. on to states. Yeah, so I did a bit of that. Um, but obviously, um, once you go into the next uh, the next level of running, which is state level, that's when you start to meet the more uh, elite sort of based athletes. And obviously not being coached and not knowing <laughs> where I was going, what I was doing, only hindsight shows me that I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So just having a crack, but not really going anywhere, Ollie, uh, with where I was, um, obviously, or at least hoping I could actually discover some sort of potential that I'd had as a youngster. No, it just didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, well, look, we look at the age of um, you, or even 10 years ago, um, your marathon was close to three hours, but now you're a sub 230 marathoner. So what was happening between that age from leaving school to, say, you know, 2010-ish? Were you running much at all or not? No, so, Ollie, this is an interesting story. So yeah. I remember um, just leaving school and, again, watching the Comrades Marathon. I always wanted to do it. And as a youngster, I left school and I said, I'm going to go and run an ultramarathon. Ollie, I ran my first comrades. I was only 18 years old. The biggest wow. mistake of my life. I ran it and I did not finish it. And I hated it. And I said, I'd never do it again. Obviously not knowing what, I didn't know what I was doing. I continued on and I said, now nah, I'm going to, I'll keep trying and keep running. And, you know, eventually I, I completed another two comrades as a young guy, but I hated them, Ollie. What was I your training like leading into that? How did you actually prepare <laughs> to run 90 <laughs> kilometers? Well, that's why I said, looking at it now, Ollie, and, and <laughs> knowing how to run and prepare for 90 kilometers, I had next to no training, very little. And I literally, I had an easy first half in comrades. So my first 45 days were always simple. But because I didn't have the endurance space, I, I took on no nutrition. I did nothing, colleagues. So I ran a fast first half and I walked the second half to complete those comrades. That was as a young 24, 25 year old. So an absolute nutcase, not knowing what he's doing and just going out there because I had a passion for running. So what had happened, Ollie, after doing that, I basically lost the passion because I said, this is too hard. How can, how can you, you shouldn't, shouldn't run like this and it should be, it should be painful. So anyway, I, I'd lost interest. And then at that time I met my beautiful wife and we got married. Um, and basically, this is 1998, and uh, we were still young and in love. We're still in love, but uh, she basically <laughs> said, <laughs> she basically, um, we spoke about our dreams and our goals. And I remember saying to her, hey, what do you, because she was an average, she played softball for South Africa, so she was an athlete and very involved in sports. So she said to me, look, she'd love to someday, uh, you know, try and run a marathon. And I laughed, not laughed, she had asthma, and she says, one day I'd like to do it. So I said, yeah, we'll do it. She, she asked me, what would I like to do? And Ollie, I said to her, honestly, I've got goals and dreams. Now I'm very specific in how I do things. And I laid them down for my wife and I said, love, I'd like to complete 10 comrades marathons. I'd like to run a marathon in under 2.30. And I, I labeled everything. I want to do a half marathon in under 70 minutes. I, I labeled all this many years ago. I've still got the paper. I can show you, Ollie. And my wife looked at me and she said to me, she believed in me. And there's a part of me that looked at myself and said, this is nuts. There's no way you can do it. But I had a dream, Ollie, and I had a belief. And then essentially, 
um, I remember because we 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 come over to Australia shortly after getting married, and we both just got in and started working, and we just saved for a home, worked before we had was our that, first son. Was, was that close to two thousand? Was it? Spot on, 2000, yeah. 2001. Yeah, and then yeah, we go basically, ahead. yeah, our first son came along. So I, during this time, Ollie, I wasn't running. I stopped. I lost the passion, but I still had goals and dreams. And I said to, to, to my wife, I said, Ronnie, I'd love to do all these things. This, this is just between our husband and wife. We said we want to do this and, and go through that. But we decided to concentrate on the family, build a home, forget about running. And at this stage, Ollie, I was in my mid-20s. And obviously, like I said, We'd forgotten about that. We had two beautiful kids. My first son was born in 2004 uh, and my second one in 2006. So obviously with my two boys and family, and as you know, Ollie, I've heard you say you've got a young fella and young kids. And I've, I've, le- I've listened to Aiden on your show. Um, you know, you listen to, to a lot of this Clay Dawson, all these guys. Whenever I meet them and talk to them, they oh, we're so busy with our families. And I look at them and say, Lads, I know exactly what that's like. And that's why I couldn't even run at the time because I know it. Now, watch, I watch all the guys, a lot of guys that run with, they're now pushing their kids in a pram. You know, there's Peter Bracken pushing his kid in a pram. Uh, there's the likes of Dan James. There's a lot of guys you look at. And, and, I, and I bear witness to all of that because I know what it's like. But at the time, I just, I couldn't because I, I was trying to establish my career. We just bought a home. I had these two beautiful kids. So I did dedicate the time to that. And then the interesting story is, Ollie, is my wife come to me. Uh, my sons were now seven and eight years old. They were sort of growing up now, just started school. And Brahman come to me, and this is no word of the lie, Ollie, and you can go and see it. It's in history. She come to me just towards my – this is coming back 10 years ago. So 2011 or so, she said to me, love, I bought you a ticket to the New York City Marathon. Oh, she, she's got me a, She's got me this, this, this air ticket. And we've got an entry. I've, I've discovered this and blah, blah, blah. we got to do it. This is where the journey starts. I looked and I said, you're nuts. So I said, where do we go with this? But she says, we've got to get that dream back on track. So that's why I said, Ollie, if I do something, I switch on the head, I, I study, I do everything I need to do, and I don't listen to the noise. In other words, what other people say. I'm focused, laser-like, zoomed. So when I started and I sat down, I said, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to go to? So I remember sitting down with somebody who said to me, Wayne, if you want to achieve these goals, same goals I spoke to you now and told what my wife is, he says, you're not going to get them in 12 months. You're not going to get them in two years. You're not going to, this is going to take a time and it's a process. So I studied, Ollie, like I'm writing an exam. When I show you the literature that I have to what it takes to run a 230 marathon, what it takes to improve as, as, a, as a master's athlete, I studied the science behind it. And when I look at it now in hindsight, which is 10 years later, Ollie, I've done that and progressively built without blowing or tooting my own horn. I haven't got injured, not once, never been injured because I've, I've studied the science and I've followed the science. And I wasn't, because again, Don Wallace is the guy who said to me, Wayne, don't rush this. It takes time to develop your engine. Your engine, too many people, they go too hard, and they crash and come down. So he explained it simply to me, and this is the way, and I always understand it. You can have a strong engine, so cardiovascularly, you're good, good engine. But if your chassis system's weak and can't handle this motor, you're going to break down. So I got it straight away. So I learned, hang on, this is what I need to do. So I just got out there, started working easily. I ran my first marathon after coming back. 
was the Sydney Marathon, which was today the Sydney Marathon as yeah. well. Sorry, by the yeah, way. And a record, um, Australian, Australian soil record, 207. Absolutely. I <laughs> uh, couldn't believe there were four guys ran 207. Yeah. How good is that? Crazy. And that's a technical course. Trust me, it's not easy. So <laughs> I ran that back in 2011, I think. Um, and that was like two months before New York. And I remember running it in 327 was my time. But I remember my first half I went through in 90 minutes. But I absolutely struggled in the second half, you know. But I was learning as I went. And then I went to New York in 2011 and ran a New York marathon. And in a similar time, you know, just under three and a half hours. So that's where it all started. And I basically started to get myself slowly involved and getting into running. Again, I wasn't concentrating or focusing on the shorter stuff, just purely on marathons and doing a few ultras as we go. And then, yeah, 2013, I got back into Comrades. And during this whole journey and these last 10 years, Ollie, um, you, you know, if I sit with you and show you the progression, it's been a progression and I never rushed it. I never, and a lot of the local guys would talk to me and say, what's your goal, Wayne? So I said, look, 2.30 for the marathon is the goal. That's my goal. It's my goal. And I worked on that and I came close many times. I've been 2.31, 2.33, 2.00. do it, can't. They said, it takes time. But finally, I, I, I'd sort of, I, I, I progressively got to that. And in London, uh, 2019 was when I had the breakthrough with the 228.59. And yeah, it's just blossomed from there. So the story of what I call the aerobic tank is just evolved um, and it's, it's progressed and evolved. And it's still evolving now, which is why I'm talking to you. And I'm still so excited, Ollie, from my run uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's just because the patience that's needed to develop mm. that aerobic engine takes, that's what it is. You need discipline, commitment, and patience. Those three have to go together. And obviously, with a beautiful family, <laughs> that it, you can achieve the goal. Oh, it's excellent. And any any books or podcasts, or websites, or people that you actually credit so that you can recall studying and, and, and reading and yeah. listening to at that very time? Absolutely. So Dr. Phil Maffetone's book on, he's called it the big red book on endurance. Uh, I absolutely loved it because it resonates with exactly um, the sort of training that I've been doing and connected with in terms of what Don Wallace has been showing me. It's basically, I know he uses a formula which is basically heart, it's all heart rate based, but it's very similar to what I'm doing. So the science behind that is spot on, you know, you know, obviously if you, you can use 180 beats per minute minus your age, gives you a rough idea of where you need to train in, in that terms, you know, that sort of zone. Now, obviously, um, yeah, I, I have trained with a heart rate monitor and all that, but obviously once I got used to that sort of feel that I have, that particular book resonated with me simply because it, 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 it basically reinforces the fact that you need to be able to run to feel, and it's always got to be conversational pace. So if, if I'm running a long run and I can't talk to you, I'm doing nothing for myself. I'm not, I'm actually not, uh, I'm, I'm actually overcooking myself, you know, and you don't realize it. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's definitely one of the books that I credit to that. Um, I love the inside running podcast, uh, you know, with the local ads where you, um, they just get so much good feedback information and you can, I'm the sort of guy, Ollie, I, I listen to what you say. Like everyone who's listening to what I'm saying now with you, don't trust the word I'm saying. You always got to eat the meat and spit out the bones because what works for me may not work for you, Ollie, may not work for the next guy. I, I could tell you the best form of nutrition, Ollie, is to have a gel. But I've seen guys spew up and get sick next to me from eating the same gel. So it's a science it, and it's a developmental process that takes time. And obviously, 
you know, trial and error shows you different things. So that Inside Rodden podcast has been so good in the sense that you can learn so much from, you know, the, the super elite athletes and the guys at the Olympic level to your everyday kind of guy. Mm. Um, so you, you pick up so much from that. Um, like I said, there's so much material out, of, out there. You know, you just click on, go onto YouTube and just, just type whatever you want to. But obviously, don't trust what, what's out there. You've obviously got to prove it for yourself and make sure that it works because there's a science to this thing and it can be done. And, and Oli, I'm telling you, with, without sounding arrogant, um, I believe that anyone can run a marathon if you train correctly. If you train the right way and if you're disciplined and you're committed and you get what's between these years right, you can do it. I'm telling you, Oli, as you're sitting there now talking, I'm telling you, mate, if you have goals and you have dreams and to anyone listening, there's aspirations. If an old old fart like me at 50 years old can run 225, anyone can. I wanted to go back to uh, your training, what your training like sort of week looked like when you started to prepare for these marathons. Say, you know, early 2000s, 2005 to to now, I guess, what that training started at. You said it was progression in terms of your Ks uh, and quality of sessions. So happy to talk about that. Absolutely. So, yeah, Ollie, um, when I got into it, um, like I say, about 10, 11 years ago, um, I remember my, my marathon training, honestly, was about between 60 and 80 Ks a week, with the longest run being about 20 kilometers on the weekend. And that's purely what I did. I had no sp- speed. Set. Again, Ollie, and I'll tell you this, and I'm, and I'm not I'm making it this up, I don't do any speed work <laughs> um, during a build-up. Um, th- this is obviously the advice I've, I've been given over time, but essentially there's no speed work in it. It's pure aerobic running. Um, we only, um, as we come into what we call the, so we, I've got three different phases in the training, um, but my, my first phase is what I call the strength or the building phase, which is part of um, the aerobic building. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, the conditioning phase, which is obviously now race specific type of things. And then that final sharpening phase is where we throw in speed work. So speed work in the sort of training I do is it only comes in in the last five, six weeks of a gold race. That's when we throw it in. Um, so included in my running from, from earlier days, uh, right up until now, um, we never do double days. Double days only come in when we get into a, I do do them, but they only incorporated basically uh, at the sharpening phase. So when we get into the point end, so again, as I progressed over time, I was taught that 10% increments is the goal. So never, ever go uh, from doing a 70 or 80K week to 170, 180K week. You're looking for trouble. So I followed that to the T and I progressively built to the 100K mark uh, per week. Um, essentially, I remember my early training, Ollie, was not structured. So I didn't have any particular structure. Whereas when I look at it today, lot more structure in terms of how I'm training and, and where we're aiming to go at in terms of a gold race. Um, progressively got onto that 100, 120. Now my body is quite comfortable at an easy or what I call um, that, that progress, that stage where we, we're building 140 to 160K weeks are casual and easy. I've just done the Comrades Mountain and I built that right up to about 240, 260K weeks which lasted for essentially um, the best part of two months. So I've just come back from a training camp and that's where we were involved in. So I know what it takes um, to get you progressively to where you need to be. Um, so 
to, to, to anyone. Obviously, if, you, if you're just training for a marathon, you don't need to do that sort of mileage. I, I believe that 140 to 160 K weeks for China, you do need that sort of mileage if, if you're looking at working towards that, that, that pointy end of sub three, two, 230 to three hours. I do believe that that's an important um, ingredient necessary for that aerobic conditioning phase. So yeah, that's where that's come in. Obviously, uh, in the last two or three years, my training is totally different to those early days in that it's more specific. So there's more tempo stuff in there. There's more threshold stuff. And again, like I said, those the speed connection only comes in the sharpening phase, which is what we mm. uh, sort of we, we sort of five to six weeks before gold race. Yeah, so does your Monday to Sunday differ a fair bit in terms of exact training uh, each day with work? Or is it pretty similar oh. in the last year or so? Are you able to actually talk to Monday to sure. Sunday? Sure. So, so what it is, Zoli, and this is where a lot of people ask me the question, I love connecting with everyday people. So a lot of people come to me, Wayne, you don't put everything on Strava. It's not there. <laughs> Why? <laughs> this is There's a reason for that is because I've, had, I've got so many – but more, there's a lot of people from South Africa, a lot of people that follow me from there because they, they've watched the progression and a lot of local lads. Now, they were all doing the training. I was doing a lot of them. And then they'd all send me messages because they're all getting injured. And I go, oh, I said to Don, what do I do? Because people are getting injured. She says, no, <laughs> they're trying to do something they haven't been conditioned for. You know, so that's what was happening. Obviously, you know what I'm saying, Ollie, I, I, I basically... Um, there's, there's Jack Rayner, and look at look, he ran a 12K today who are averaging 250 per K. So if I basically decide to go and do Jack Rayner's training program now, guess what's going to happen to me in the next couple of weeks? I'm going to pick up an injury. Mm. So, yeah, that, that was basically where that sort of come from. But basically, my, my, the, the way we work it out, like I said to you, because I'm on an island, um, I do more – it's just – just maintenance stuff. So I'll keep myself Monday to, to – to, so the week in, week out, it's just your normal – hour to 90 minute run every day which is just conversational pace uh, that can obviously vary in pace uh, from four minutes per k to five minutes per k so to real you know just how i'm feeling if i feel good yeah if i can pick it up if not yeah just cruise along yeah and do but you track pace I... during those sorry do you track your pace during those runs on the watch or is yes. that purely so, to feel uh, most of them are purely to feel like i said we are switched to keeping eye on pace is when I come home. So when I come home, this is mm. when I switch to the quality that I'm talking about. So this is where my average, uh, my weekly average will be bumped up to now about 160, 180. Um, when I'm, I'm in that building phase, I can feel now that, hang on, going for an hour at, at, at the, that cruising interval feels real easy. So obviously that's when I, I know the next day I'm, I'm due for, like my Tuesdays are normally that sort of tempo run. Uh, where I can pick it up a bit. And again, I, I do use a heart rate monitor. I can watch it and I know exactly where I'm at, where I need to be. Um, we know we don't want to force things and, and get to a stage too soon. You know, the peaking period is what we call this training periods of, of peaks and troughs. You need to know exactly where you need to be and when you need to peak, you know. So that's why I try and tell people, everyone loves double runs and they go for it. <laughs> We've been taught the opposite, hang on. Double running is only introduced when you're basically telling the body that, hang on, there's something coming, you know. So there's, there's a, you know, I believe there's a, there's a season for it. But essentially, yeah, yeah that's my Tuesdays like that. Uh, Wednesday, I've always loved a midweek long run. So my long runs are, you know, an easy 24 to 28 Ks in a midweek long run. 
love that. Um, love going out where I can just feel, hang on, this this is, when you start to build that aerobic tank, recovery becomes quick and easy because you're so used to that pace, you know, getting out at it. However, I need to tell you, Ollie, that whenever I start my runs, and a lot of people have seen me and they go, what's going on with Wayne? He's moving too slow today. But I love to do two to three Ks of warm-up in my run, but really slow. So when I say really slow, I'm going like seven minutes a K. And they can look at me and say, what's he doing? He's not moving. He's not feeling well today. But no, that's, that's what I do because that gets the body warm and loose and before a few strides. And then you start going. So you don't just get flat track into it. But yeah, that's essentially what the Wednesday, Thursday is again, uh, very similar, easy going run. Uh, Friday would be more specific. Um, I like to do always on a Friday, we throw in a bit of fart leg. Uh, so yeah, it, it is a bit of, you know, striding out and back, but that's always been our Friday where we do a bit of fart leg running. So when we do that, it's essentially, it's still a 20K run, but um, it's that 5K easy. And then obviously I like to, you know, 1K on, 1K off, 1K on, 1K off, that sort of thing. And then my Saturdays and Sundays, my weekends are primarily where my meters. Um, I do lots of long running on those days. Like if I do do a park run, I love to do, uh, you know, 5 or 10Ks before, do a park run, 5 or 10 afterwards. And then Sunday, always backing it up with a, a solid long run, which is generally from 30 to 40Ks on that Sunday. Yeah, okay. And are the hills featuring much in your training on that Sunday or the Wednesday yeah. long run? No. So what we do is, like I said, we've got different phases. When I come to the, we've got the conditioning, when we get into the strength phase, that's when we do more hill repeat work specifically for comrades um, So or, or, or ultras. So when I do ultras, now, Ollie, this is maybe you know it. You know, a lot of people don't know it, but I tell them the quickest way to cheat now we everyone the human there's there's a way to cheat. When I say cheat, the quickest I've been taught the quickest way to cheat in terms of gaining speed <laughs> is to do heel work. <laughs> so heel work is not easy. Everyone hates it. But what I'm saying is to avoid the track, not <laughs> listen, that's why I said don't trust me. <laughs> to avoid the track, I do heel heel repeats. I love heel repeats. I love going, but knowing how to run up a hill and how to run down a hill. Very important. People forget about downhill running. Mm -hmm. Very important. So essentially, I incorporate that. Once I've built my aerobic base, I incorporate, it becomes bread and butter, running hill repeats. Um, and those are, I'll tell you what, Ollie, they are brutal. If, if I took you with me on a hill repeat session, uh, honestly, they last about two hours because they hard work. But Ollie, the strength and the amount of gains you make, and I've made, over the last two or three years, is from heel work. Heel work. And I've had local guys, they've seen me when I run on the Brisbane Road Runners. Because the Brisbane Road Runners, and if you've ever done it, um, there's a mm. bit of a, uh, you know, up and down through the loop. And I like to push that. And all the guys say, he's mad. How's he doing that? But yeah, they I complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I drive that heel. I drive it. And I, one of my training partners is a guy named Isaiah Spain. I'm sure you've heard of him yes, in yeah. training, the yep. local team. Him and I train together regularly. And he hates heels and, and he's a fast guy, but on a heel, I can kill him. I'll kill him. He looks at me and he says, how do you do that? It's because I'm so used to heel repeats and he hates heels. He'd rather do the track, Ollie. So between him and I, he says, let's do the track. I say, let's do heels. So that's my, my thing. I, I keep saying again, the quickest way to cheat when it comes to gaining speed is to do heel work. Run that heel hard, Ollie. When you get to the top, like I said, my heel repeats are generally six to 800 meters I'll do it on different gradients, but essentially get to the top, take about three, four minutes, rest and recover, run down, 
you know, obviously, and then back up again and, and do those five, six to eight times. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's great advice, Wayne. I think um, hills for any runner, uh, they can get uh, benefit out of that. And uh, we all hope to run more through the week. Now, um, speaking of hills, let's get to the, the Comrades Marathon because uh, it's notorious for being quite hilly. It's um, 89 kilometres long, isn't it? That's correct. This year was actually 90 kilometres. They actually made an extra <sighs> kilometre. To right. the new finish venue. So, just yeah, to make it a bit longer just for the, the next one. <laughs> yeah, so just talk to us about the history of Comrades. We've got an up and a down Comrades, and I saw the word Comrades Green, what what the word green actually means. Uh, we do have listeners who are interested generally in Comrades, but also maybe at some point in their life heading over to South Africa and having a go at it themselves. Absolutely. Like I say, Ollie, when I grew up, I watched the Comrades in South Africa on TV, and I was mesmerized because I, I couldn't understand how people run 90 kilometers in one day. But, um, yeah, to your point, it's basically run between two cities, between the city of Durban, which I grew up in, and Peter Marisburg, which your folks are from. Mm. And from that one city to the next is 90 kilometers. The gradient from Durban to Marisburg, you're climbing all the way. We've got basically 800 meters of elevation to Peter Marisburg, and essentially the other way to 1,100 which is down from Peter Marisburg to Durban. Now, they say the down run is easier, but I can tell you I've just done the down run. The down run is, in my opinion, much, much harder because the eccentric loading on the quadriceps is, is dynamic and it's, and it's a different kind of beast. So if you've done a normal, you know, this year, Ollie, I'll be honest with you, I ran the Brisbane Marathon and, and that Brisbane Marathon was a test for, and I said this to someone in an interview afterwards, uh, for the comrades. Because Brisbane Mountain is quite hilly and undulating. Yeah, but those is. hills, only, they're only 200 metres long, some of them. And I drove the hills. And I think that's what, because I ran with the Zayas at Brisbane Mountain. And he got to 30 and he was dead. And he said to me, how are you driving the hills? I said, we need to drive the hills. I got comrades, drive, drive. Because I kept shouting, we ran together. And, and the lead cyclist was, he's giving him a hard time. I said to him, drive. And we drove them. But Brisbane was a test. Uh, for for comrades and I knew the way I was driving the hills that my hill training was coming in and coming coming in real good and I remember going that second half of Brisbane Mountain I actually told myself going up towards Story Beach I said because I'd lost the Zayas by then I worked so hard and basically coming up to the next one I said now I can do this and I felt even better the second half than the first which was the clear indication that my training was on track so obviously um, in terms of doing comrades Comrades, again, is the most undulating run that you could ever, that, that comes like in the uprun, the first 40 or 38 kilometers of Comrades is purely up. It's the hardest, the toughest mountain you'd ever do, you know, so it, it's tough. And then you've got to back it up with another, uh, you know, 50 odd K to the finish. So it takes a special kind um, of, of, of training, but the mental aptitude and approach that's needed for it. Um, what makes it so great from any other, they call it the ultimate human race in that the streets are lined with spectators from start to finish. And when I say that there is no, I'm actually, I'm understating how, how huge the spectator performance is in terms of, you know, just the spectators all the way. And you feel like a rock star because on your number, they put your name and the local runners know their comrades. And, 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 and the thing that, Trips you like this year. I ran with Ash Watson from, uh, he's from Ballarat and he's a huge ultra distance runner. And whilst we're running together, he says, "Look at these people. Look at it because they, they're just so encouraging and they know they're running and they're saying, you 'You're looking good, Ash. You're looking good, Wayne. Or you, if you're not looking good, they'll tell you.' 
keep plugging, you'll get through it, like, you know. But essentially, if, if a runner's struggling at Comrades, it's not like any other race, because if a runner's struggling, there's always someone else next to you or coming from behind just to encourage you. And that's something that I've learned over time, you know. And, and when I race, even, yeah, locally in Brisbane, I'm always about encouraging and trying to help someone else. And that's something that stood out with me. And all the locals know, they ask me, how come you smile through a marathon? It's because I may be going through a hard patch, but I, that smile, somebody else reminds me that you're smiling and that, hey, hang on, you know, uh, you know, you can get through it and you will get through it. But just to encourage someone else that's struggling, you know, somewhere down the track is that you, you're going to go through a phase, but you'll get through it. And that's what I've learned from comrades is that comrades is a challenge, uh, but that's, that basically isn't, isn't, isn't something that, you need to be an extraordinary person to take it on, you know, because running a double marathon plus is not easy. And then back to your point about the green number. So when you complete one comrades, you're basically awarded uh, a medal and, and I finish your title with one. So when you complete 10 comrades, doesn't have to be consecutively, can be over, over any period of time. But once you've completed 10 comrades, they basically take the number that you have and they hang it up as in basketball or any other sport where they hang up the number permanently. So my number, because I finished my 10th comrades three weeks ago, is now a permanent number which is hung up. And basically that number, you know, later on down the track, if my sons decide, hey, dad, I'm going to run the comrades again, and I'm not there or anything happens, they can then use take that on number, the number. Take on the number, which is so special. Bit of a legacy. And I tell you what, Ollie, absolutely. You took the word out of my mind. I was just going to say to you, you know, the legacy that that's left behind. And I can tell you, Oli, I'm not ashamed to tell you, mate, and, and tell your listeners. When I crossed that line, I cried like a baby, mate, because I knew on a personal level, um, you know, it, it is a dream. It, it it was years in the making. You know, Oli, when I spoke to the beginning of this thing, I'm saying, I can't even run 100 meters. How am I going to run 90 kilometers? You know, I'm coming dead last. But that's what I'm saying, Oli, is that it doesn't matter who you are. In this sport that we have, if you have a dream and you have a goal and you have a belief, it's not about finishing, you know, first it's nice to win and yeah, whatever, but everyone who crosses the line, even at a park run, it's, it, you're a winner. It's because it takes something extra special to get off the couch and say, hey, I want to have a goal. And that's why I, I give you guys kudos. You know, I, I didn't know who you were. I'm being honest, I discovered more just after learning who you were. Yeah, your dad's involved. You know, these guys like Bert, uh, there's lots of running groups we have local. It's all about helping others and connecting with others and trying to give back and teach and, 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 and you know, bring out the best in others. All these, I've, there's a few people that I've helped locally in our community because they've come to me and said, Wayne, we're so inspired. How can we do this? I said, yeah, you can do it. It just takes time and a bit of education and knowledge to get you there. It'll take a bit of time, we'll get you there. And I've seen over about seven or eight years people who've never run, you know, they just run a park run and they want to do a marathon, and then they finish the marathon, and they come back. This is local people from my Wishart Park runners, which I've, I've been involved for many years with Adrian, you know, and, and they come with tears because I've finished it, and I said, yeah, you can do it. You know, you just got to obviously, you know, take baby steps and go there. It's not, I've seen people, Ollie, you know, they, they crack up because they're struggling at a park run, and they can't get that time, and they, they're so broken about it. I said, no, no, it, it's a progression. It takes time. You know, don't beat yourself up because, as you know, Ollie, you can have a good park run one day, the next day you, what's happened, you know? So it happens because we're human. So yeah, to that point, the green number is something special, Ollie. 
that I'll never forget. And like I said to you, that's why I started a conversation. Sorry if I sound like I'm still on cloud nine, but I honestly <laughs> am still there because I feel like a kid in the candy store who's just, you know, got in there and just, you know, just 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 had the best and, and even it culminated in the best run I've had in my life, Ollie, to 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 obviously achieve that. Um, yeah, super, super proud. And like I say, uh, if anything happened to me today, um, I'm more than happy with where I'm at currently. Oh, it's excellent advice, Wayne. Hey, um, just in terms of nutrition too, for that comrades this year, for example, across 90 kilometers, how, yep. how do you prepare for that beforehand? And then during the sure. run, do they have an option of nutrition on the course, you know, through drinks and that kind of thing, or is it supplied by yourself? How does that work? Yeah, so on the course, there's heaps of, there's everything from, from, from the, and they tell you well in advance, there's gels available, um, there's carbohydrate drinks, there's bananas, potatoes, uh, whatever tickles your fancy, whatever, it's, it's there. Um, obviously, uh, myself, um, I'm running for NetBank at the pointy end. Um, on an elite level, they, they provide you with specific stuff. So I've been training uh, with the, I use Morton. Uh, I love Morton. Uh, again, uh, sorry, I'm not I'm not plugging it, but um, I did switch to it uh, probably a year ago, and I, I just enjoy Morton. So I use that specifically for my running. I practice with the Tuoli on all my runs. Um, I'm I'm a calorie guy, so I I do. It works for me. Um, I know what it is to bonk Ollie in a marathon, mm. uh, and basically, I, I I never wanted that again. So. What it is is obviously so to prevent the muscle from cannibalizing itself, you got to make sure you get you get the nutrition right. So essentially, that's essentially what it is: is uh, using my Morton, getting that in. Um, give you an example: in a typical marathon, I would use uh, for me three gels works beautifully. So I love three gels, um, and I'll have a bit of Morton drink between those at different phases. But in comrades, I have five gels, and I still have my Morton between each one. We afford it. So at Comrades, every 10 kilometers, we have seconds mm -hmm. who keep our special drinks um, at 10K intervals all the way to 80. Um, and like I say, I, I carry, I attach the the five gels to at certain points to the bottle. So that, that's what I take. That's And that works beautifully for me, um, Ollie. Yeah, and what about through the week? You must eat a lot of food with all the kilometers you run. Are you <laughs> eating a lot of carbohydrates? <laughs> So, Ollie, yeah, and that's why I say, well, I'm laughing at you. I'm only 54 kilos, but I'm, yeah. as you see this muscle, I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely, and I'm not ashamed, Ollie, I love food. And if you sat next to me and you ate, you know, you may feel a bit worried because you say, this little fella eats like a tank. Ollie, I love food. The current diet that I've switched to, and again, I've been on this for about three years, so I've switched to what they call a low-carb, high-fat diet. So I still, you still need carb food as the sport we do, but I just eat low-carb. So instead of having white potatoes and white rice, I have brown rice, I have sweet potatoes, um, love my veggies, uh, but love fats. So I have love, a lot of avocados, a lot of nuts. I have coffee, love coffee, but I put butter in my coffee sorry i know it's weird but all the good fat i love fat i can love butter on my now ollie here's another secret it's not a secret but i'm telling you so that that that, that we know it's out there because a lot of people see me they think it's weird i've always got a drink that i carry in the back of my my my, my little i've got a, a sleeve that fits in the back of my shorts and i also keep i love a hot cross bun so in a marathon i'll always have a hot cross bun and it'll be thick with peanut butter on it so i chew on it progressively but i keep it me and i chew on it and people look at me like i'm nuts I'm like this dude's eating <laughs> but uh, so I, I love uh yeah hot cross bun i love 
anything with peanut butter. Love it. So my, my diet consists of low carb, high fat, um, which works good because like I said, the running, that type of running we're talking about is obviously fat burning, which is I've become a good fat burner, Holly, um, without, uh, you know, aerobic running is fat burning. So when you become uh, efficient at burning fat, mm. um, yeah, you know, it's obviously the body just becomes a machine and just, just moves through nicely. And that's why I said, if I keep that up, I can just keep going over the longer distances. It works beautifully, mate. Oh, it's excellent advice. I think a lot of runners are quite timid to eat uh, and unhealthily or to have the fats. Not that they should be eating takeaway every day, but I think to have a yeah. balance, particularly if they're running long like yourself, Wayne, uh, that advice seems pretty appropriate. Hey, um, Spot. let's look at uh, this year and next year in terms of your running. Any goals that you've set yourself uh, or even longer term too in terms of the age yeah. rating uh, records? How's that looking for you, Wayne? Absolutely. So what I'm doing is I, I, I mentioned it earlier. So my goal is the 100K. Um, I have never done a hundred K, so I've never raced one. Um, and that's what all these, all the guys, so the local guys in our community, I don't know if you've heard of Dion, Nakiao, Ash Watson, Steve Monaghetti, all these boys, because whenever we would race, they see, I've uh, been down, I like to go and race in Victoria. Um, they were saying, Wayne, you need to do a hundred Ks, hundred Ks. So I said, it's, it's in the bucket list. So that's coming. Um, so yeah, that's what, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, we, we're trying to find one in the schedule for next year, 100K, my 100K debut, which I'll be doing. Obviously, the 100Ks, um, for, for listeners who aren't aware, are all on flat tracks. So because I do a lot of heel work, when you're on the flat, the body can handle it and take the load. And obviously, combined with your nutrition and your aerobic efficiency, uh, that's where the you know constant the, the grinding becomes quite, uh, quite easy in that sense. Um, so essentially, that's what one of the goals is. Um, for NetBank, obviously, I'm still doing a bit of running. They've got a, a few different projects coming up. Uh, I want to have a real track. I love 50Ks. Uh, Ollie, love 50Ks. Um, I do believe I've got a much better 50K in me. Um, I ran the 50K early in the year, and that was two weeks after doing my half marathon in uh, in Dubai. So, obviously, I think it took a bit of, out of my legs, um, but I do believe I have a better 50K in me. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm, again, my goal was always to break three hours for 50 and, and, I, and I eventually got that, but I do believe in, um, without sounding greedy, uh, the word I, I think I'll use hungry. I'm hungry for an improved performance. So that's, we're working on one of those, um, comrades again, I've, I've sort of achieved that bucket list. Uh, I may attempt to do another one. Uh, but next year I've been invited to the world championships. Um, when I say this is um, the world major marathons have what they call an age grading league. Uh, and I'm proud to say that, uh, yeah, I was second in, in the 45 to 49s worldwide. Uh, so I I'd, I'd basically, uh, they, they issue an invitation to a certain number of people. And yeah, I achieved one of those. So that's going to be held uh, at either Chicago or, no or New York next year at the Chicago Marathon. Um, they'll announce that uh, later on this year. So I'm, I'm planning on doing that. Um, Oli, again, a marathon time. I still believe that I have a, a, a good marathon in me. I, I, like at the Gold Coast, it was purely work towards. Um, I basically, for people who don't know, I, I jumped onto Lisa Waitman's bus because I at the start I saw, um, I trained with a guy locally from Toowoomba. His name's Benny McCronin and he's running the yep. Melbourne Marathon next week. But anyway, Benny's, him and I, uh, we were supposed to go for a run this morning because he's here on the coast. Uh, but uh, Benny's doing Comrades next year. So we've always 
like I meet up with him in Toowoomba. We always run together. But anyway, he told me, he says, why not? Because he works with Dick Telford. He said, Lisa's running. Scott's coming out of uh, retirement to Pacer to 225. So I said, that's, that's the bus I'm on. So I jumped on with that. And Liam Adams joined us because he did. Uh, Liam was actually pacing um, the, the big boys up front. Yeah, you know? I saw that, uh, yeah. And then he dropped out. Man, that guy's a machine. For people who don't know, he struck, did both, so didn't he? Think, He's a machine, mate. He ran the, the day before. He jumps in, he paces them, and he cools down. He waits for Lisa, and he runs with Lisa to 32, and then he drops off. So I looked at Lisa. I said, Lisa, I'm with you. I'm with you. And we stayed together to the end, and we finished with eight, eight seconds apart. Um, uh, you know, sorry. You know, I, I know I'm chucking in a few different things, but the Gold Coast Marathon was phenomenal because – you know, I watched a guy, I'm sure you've heard of Yuki, Yuki Kawachi. So I, I don't want to, yeah. I just, I just want to show you what character's about. You know, that guy ran, I passed him at 5K and he was hitting his legs, like hitting them. Like, I'm going, what's going on? That dude was, you know, propped up as, as one of the favorites. And we're talking about it. And even listening, what's going on? Man, he kept going and he kept going. And, you know, obviously we all know now that he finished. You know, there's a reason behind it. Sorry, you guys may know it really, but. You know, just like the green number at Comrades, Yuki did it. He basically mm. didn't want to break his cycle because he wants to get 10 um, yeah. Gold Coast. Man. Sorry, man, I don't know if you're aware of it, but, you know, you know that just shows me. And that dude, that's why I said I've always had respect for Yuki. We know he's the citizen runner and that sort of thing. But to the point, you know what I'm saying? He just showed that, you know, the sort of character that it takes. It doesn't matter. It's not about winning or, you know, in the back of the pack or front of the pack. It's about finishing. And that's what life teaches us, Amali, without sounding like an old man. Uh, life teaches us that, you know, it doesn't matter where we are. We're all at different levels in this race, but it's about achieving what you believe to be your personal best. So, Ali, that's why I said, run, it's important. The most important advice anyone takes out of this is just run your race, you know, and make sure that you achieve the things you want to and get the best out of you and be the best you can. Don't try and be someone else. And that's what... Sorry, I took the hat. I learned a lot from from that Gold Coast Mountain. It was awesome, man. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what's you, in store for me, mate. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, and I actually saw him at about seven k, and he was walking, and he was walking yeah. past me on the sideline, just yeah, just watching the the marathon itself. And I'm just thinking, hang on, <laughs> there's that's the favourite. This guy's meant to be winning the thing, yeah. and he and he's just walking along. And I literally was thinking, like, how and how and why is he going to walk another? <laughs> 30 odd K and uh, yeah. the reason was pretty clear what you said. It was about completion, about the, the, the dream and goal that he'd set and, and he got Absolutely. it done, which was truly inspirational. Absolutely. So for mate, for you, do you think, do you think you can continue to improve in the year fifties? Do you think there's a, do you think there's an, <laughs> what, what age do you think there, you know, you're going to be when it starts to plateau out for you? Yeah. So we've had this conversation with lots of different people and I've especially consulted. I believe if you want, <laughs> if you want advice, go to the best. So I've spoken to the likes of Bruce Fordyce, Don, Don Wallace and, and a few others. And we've had this chat and I said, how long do I keep going? So he said, look, as long as you can feel the engine is still developing, just keep going, keep ticking. Now I'm the kind of guy, Dolly, and I'll tell you this here openly. I like to go out gracefully than disgracefully. <laughs> so, so whilst I'm still enjoying it, I'm still going to keep ticking on. Um, and still, like I said, um, as long as I can feel I'm still building and the body can still handle it at the moment, again, I'm still able to take the, the, the mileage and, and the load that comes with achieving uh, sort of the, I, I still, and I still believe Ollie and, and, and I'll make it no secret that I can definitely improve 
my PVs um, from where they currently sit. Um, if I if I again talk to you about the progression, I've seen PBs, and this is what Don said to me. He says, if you can see a PB coming every year, you're doing things correctly. You know, as opposed to sporadic. Oh, yep, I'm doing a PB year, and then I struggle for two and three years for whatever reason. So he says, if you're doing it correctly and you're building, you put the foundation down and you put the brick the bricks on. So I believe now, Ali, I've built the house, and I'm just putting the roof on now and making sure that you know dressing it up and making sure everything's good. So to that point, um, I do believe I have a few more years of good stuff in me and I'm going to still keep ticking on uh, as long as I'm still enjoying it, Molly, um, that, that's what I'm going to keep doing. Yeah, 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 exactly what I thought. That obviously, there will be a point where the PB start to stop, but I'm sure yes. your goals will then be around just making the most of your situation and, and enjoying the running and the satisfaction of completing those particular goals. Absolutely. Hey, let's finish with some, uh, I've got some listener questions in here actually, and then some of my own. Uh, so sure. as these are normally designed to be quite, uh, uh, were answered fairly quickly. Uh, so good luck yep. to, you, to you with that. Some are probably a bit more complex than others, but we'll see how we go. No problems, mate. Let's go for it. Okay. First one's from a good mate of yours, Adrian Royce. Um, he's asked, uh, well, this was actually answered earlier. Um, how many marathons have you actually done? Okay. Yep. So, yep, yeah, uh, 40, 41, and I've done 25 ultra marathons. So, total, yeah, about 65 or so. That's yeah, including marathon and ultra. Yep. Yeah. I, th I think he'd put down 100 or something. So, I might need to go back to him to correct that one. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely not 100. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a good mate of mine, Avi Singh. Uh, why do you often, after a race, after competing, do quite a firm long run? Say the, the race has been Sunday come Monday, yep. Monday morning, you're running a, a firm hour or hour and a half? Excellent question. So this is part of my building towards comrades. And again, like I said, a lot of people looked at me and thought he's he's smashing out a marathon and he's going the next day and running an absolute firm hour, 90 minutes run or so. So what it was is because I'd basically taken, so when we lay it down, we got different thresholds. So I'm running if or at a marathon at my threshold. So we've worked with my thresholders. So basically, because I'm just under threshold, that same effort over time has, has seen an improvement of my marathon time, just under threshold. So because I'm basically at that level, and when I'm finished, because I'm, remember, Ollie, I'm, I'm working towards 90 kilometers. So 40, 42 should feel easy mm. now without sounding, you know, but in terms of the goal that I'm trying to achieve. So because I'm doing that and I've loaded up the body by doing a, a sub 230, the next day I go and do another session, but a lot easier. Like I'll go at four minute case or whatever, but to do a 90 minute solid session, because the legs are feeling so good, it's basically loading the legs and letting the body know that, hey, something's coming. So if you look in May, I ran uh, Noosa and then eight days later I ran Brisbane. But after between that, I didn't, so I didn't taper up to those. And I didn't recover after those. So I kept my training cycle kept going. So essentially, the body knew that it could handle the load. And that's why I told you early, early on, uh, is that I drove the hills in Brisbane. I'm saying, man, I just ran Noosa eight days ago. So everything was on point. Now, Don Wallace, who, who's a mentor and coach, was basically there. And he said to me, mate, this, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. Keep going. It's going. So I said, wow. So essentially... That's exactly what part of that is. I'm still building to that phase, which continued on towards Gold Coast. 
and the exact same thing after Gold Coast. So the only reason those were done now is purely because my big A goal was three weeks ago, um, and that's to load the body mm. and let it know that, hang on, you've got something big coming up. Excellent. And you're still like, injury-free, so obviously that is working for you. I did think that was the case, extra loading after the marathon to add in those Ks. Now, yep. um, the next question is from a previous guest as well as Adrian Royce. This is Clay Dawson. Uh-huh. And he's asked, if you could awesome. pick one thing, one factor, one thing, what's the most effective change you have made to your training since you started running properly? The one thing that I will tell everyone, and this is my opinion, and 100% Clay, cut out speed work in an early phase of your marathon building. Cut it out. So this is what I'm saying. The problem, the, and I made this mistake, and I'm and I'm and 100% Ollie, way too much speed work in the beginning or the early phase of a marathon block. So most people will average 12 to 16 weeks in, in a marathon block. They introduce speeds way too early in the mat. That's what I did. And essentially, when you load that into it, by the time you get to the bigger stuff, you actually knack it. You actually, the body has is, is had enough, you know. So what I was taught was that if you just introduce easier stuff in the easy phase, and then once you've gone through the strength phase with all the heel work and everything else associated, only introduce speed like I've mentioned a few times in that last phase, in that sharpening phase, that's exactly, to Clay's question, cut it out. Cut out the speed work and introduce more easy stuff. And then at the appropriate time, put it all together. It's like falling in love, Ollie. You know, when we fall in love in the beginning, we meet our missus, we're all in that honeymoon phase and everything feels good. And then, you know, as we age, yeah, don't get too excited. Just just pace yourself. Get into there easily. Sorry, sir, without drifting off. That's what I do. <laughs> okay. Erin uh, Seri or Erin Kerry. Is that ring a bell, that name? Yes. <laughs> uh, she's asked, yes. who was more excited about your comrade's time? Was it you or your beautiful wife, Bromwyn? <laughs> My beautiful wife, 100%. <laughs> 100%, Erin. 100%. You know why I say that there too, and without going too much into it, you know, with with you, to achieve all these things, you need you need a good you need your family behind you. And my wife has seen everything. You know, I'm getting up at three in the morning. You know, she's there with me, and she's you know making a sandwich, preparing my food when I come back. So she knew the goal. And yeah, you know, when I crossed the line, she was yeah, and I was and I was back there. <laughs> basically we had live streaming on FaceTime and she I was in tears and she's like this is for me this is for me so yeah yeah no, she was definitely <laughs> okay Wayne I've got nine questions from myself ready to go good mate let's go Ali all right what's the longest run you've ever done in training 70 kilometers okay where was that um I did it just recently in South Africa for comrades uh, about five weeks ago so in a place called Dalstrom huge valleys huge hills 70 kilometers training great now um i've seen you often on strava running loops like the other day you ran around the lake at sandgate in brisbane over and over and over is that something you enjoy or you do for a particular reason absolutely so one i enjoy it because if you don't you'll be nuts two (laughs) there's an absolute science behind it so what you do is if you're doing continuous undulating running, you can't get yourself into rhythm and you struggle to settle at a pace. So because 
I play with pace work. So whatever pace, if I'm running a four minute K, I need to teach myself what it feels like to do it. So obviously I'll do that around the lake 20 times and a one kilometer loop. And yeah, again, you need to, to love it and enjoy it. But essentially it's basically teaching yourself the development of what that speed feels like. And this is all I've been taught by the professionals. You have to do it. It's not easy, but I've, I've actually come to enjoy it. And with the advent of, you know, headphones and that, it makes it a lot more easier. But obviously I, I, I got certain targets and I hit them at certain points. Um, so if you're in an undulating course, you, you can't do that. And then obviously that does not teach the body because muscle memory is huge. It's important. And that's where you learn muscle memory on a, on a, on a flat, easy loop. Okay. Do you ever listen to anything whilst you run? Do you have any AirPods in or anything? Or is it always uh, naked to technology, so to speak? So, no, no, I embrace technology. I do. I, I never race or run. When I'm doing a, a session that's real quality, I don't use it. But, yeah, the occasional time I'll, I'll put that in, plug it in. Love my jazz, told you. So, yeah, it just keeps me right where I need to be. You got the Garmin watch that plays music or Apple Watch? Is that what you have? Uh, yeah, the Garmin, the little Garmin uh, 645 music. That's correct. All and right, I've got if... a, a 95. A few of them, but yeah, that's the one that works here. Yeah. Uh, great. So what inspires you most to train, to get you up and going to train through the week? Oh, it's got to be my beautiful family. Ollie, like I said to you, I'm blessed. with. I'm biased, but she's a lovely girl. Like I said, we sat down together when we... We're best buddies. And when we first had a bucket list to tick off, she says, what would you like to do, Wayne? I said, this is what I'd like to do. And we basically aligned things. And essentially, yeah, she's she's the jelly in my role. So, yeah, she's our kids going. All right. Biggest running rival over the years? Um, I don't have particular rivals. I, I, to be honest, like I said, I'm always racing. For me, I race myself um, and I don't. I don't worry about the next man. So I'm never, ever chasing anyone in particular. Um, I do have a few guys that I train with that that obviously work me to the ground. Isaiah Spain is one of them. So he's teased me along the way and said, I need to catch up to his level. And he's always inspired me in that sense. So we ran Sunny Coast together in 2021, last year. And he said to me, that, uh, let's, try and, let's try and win this thing. Let's try and nail it. And, you know... I kept chasing, he kept going, kept chasing. We've always been at each other, um, even even in tough conditions. So yeah, he, he's been a he's been someone that I've always <laughs> loved grinding with. We train a lot together and he's a grinder. He's a small pocket rocket that can just grind and grind and grind. And I love that. <laughs> okay, tough question. This one. If you could run in sure. South Africa or Australia for the rest of your life, hypothetically, which country would you choose? Oof. I love running, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think the main reason I love running, yeah, and that, that is a tough question uh, because I still enjoy running in South Africa. But I think I think the main reason this has become home now. Um, and, yeah, it's just um, there's so much – it's so much more scenic. And I'll be honest, I know, you know, there's so much to see. And because I've traveled right throughout Australia, it doesn't matter where you are, you always wake up and it's, it's fresh and there's not a lot of – you know, you, you, there's always something fresh to see and something new. So, yeah. Love running in ice. <laughs> there you go. Any uh, favorite quotes or sayings that uh, get you by week to week or within races? You've, you've definitely spoken to us a lot about advice mentally. Absolutely. And that's a great question. And the one I live by is what I call commitment. So if you are committed, 
Your commitment creates your identity. So to me, it's always been, and it's my big catchphrase slogan. The guys I work with laugh at me. Everyone, I said, you need to show commitment. So if you commit it, your commitment creates identity. It's who you are. So if that's uh, that's Wayne, he's running again. Uh, that yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, he's from Brisbane. He's and that's wherever I go now and wherever I work. They know. Oh no, that's Wayne. Run. So your commitment creates your identity. Oh, that's great. Hey, Wayne, you know, we all come into this world and as human beings, there's a time that we actually pass away. How would you actually want someone, say, close to you, explain what Wayne was like, both as a runner, as a person? Could you put some like adjectives or words to that particular sure. question? Absolutely. So what we spoke about earlier is legacy, and it's so important. I'll tell you what, when I crossed the line of comrades three weeks ago, like I told you, I was in tears. I had a Face, FaceTime call my family afterwards. I'm close, love my family. But to hear my son say to me, Dad, I'm so proud of you. You're my hero. He said to me straight, he said, I've seen you put so much in. The one thing that I've taught both my sons constantly, I said, boys, in everything you do, the most important position that you have is your attitude. Because if you guard your attitude, your attitude in life, determines your altitude in life. So it doesn't matter where you want to go. If you want to become the best you can be, guard your attitude, look after it. So that's an important one, Ollie, is that your attitude in life determines your altitude in life. You can go anywhere, and that's what I'm telling you. Anyone can achieve anything they want to. If you, if you believe you want to break three hours in a mountain, you can do it. If you look after the attitude, don't listen to the noise around you and keep working, keep staying committed, because your commitment creates identity. Excellent. Thanks, Wayne. And thanks for your time this afternoon. I've learned so much from you. Your words, your stories are so inspirational. Your achievements uh, that you've made, both particular in the, in the comrades, is something that we can all truly aim for. And most definitely, there, there's so many things that listeners are going to learn from your words today. So I, I really do appreciate your time in coming on here. Thank you, Ollie. You've been an absolute legend, man. I appreciate what you're doing locally. Like I said, I just got onto your local legends and I had to listen to a few of the lads talking and I, and I absolutely appreciate what you're doing. And I'll be sure to share this with, I've got a worldwide community uh, audience that I sort of talk to. I'll definitely send that on and just spread the word of all the good stuff you're doing, mate. And just what you're doing is giving back uh, to the community and so openly and freely what you're doing and, and the passion that you have, mate. You, you're an absolute champion. And the legacy that you leave is magic, mate. So keep going. Mate. It's been awesome talking to you. I really appreciate it. Hey, Wayne, uh, check my run on Strava this afternoon. I think I'll be a few seconds faster per kilometre uh, after talking to you <laughs> and hopefully uh, within my next few races. So, again, much appreciated. And uh, I'll put You're this good, up tonight mate. for all the You're excited listeners. And he, he finishes with a uh, showing of his biceps. How fitting. <laughs> <laughs> thank Jeez, you mate. mate i appreciate Legend. your time and absolute absolute magic talking to you thanks, thanks. mate bye